So uh, without any further ado, would, would Pastor Andy Fine from Calvary Chapel, Farmington, is going to come and share with us. Andy, where are you? Come on up, brother. Hey, let's give it up for uh, Ray and his crew here, amen? I, I so enjoy coming down here because um, whoever I bring, I go, yeah, see how they serve? That's, that's cool. That's really cool. That's beneficial. So, good morning. In fact, I wanted to say, good morning, men of God. And wait a minute. Good morning, men of God. There we go. There we go. How are we? Good. Turn, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. I used to say, um, you'll find it on page such and such, but now I have one of these things, so it's like, just, just open it, and it's there. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man of Ramethane, Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. He was the son of Jorapham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tehu, son of, son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penanea. You know what that means? Pain in the neck. You'll see that in just a minute. Penanea had children, and Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phine, uh, yeah, that guy, were the priests of the Lord. And on the day when Elkanai sacrificed, he would give portions to Penanea, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Don't you love the intrigue of Scripture? Aren't the stories just like out of this world? It's like, wow, what a, what a scene, what a family to be a part of. Well, as things go on, as the story unfolds, Hannah continues to, to pray. 
to seek the Lord. And, and it's there on one of those occasions that, well, she's praying before the priest at Shiloh, that priest named Eli. And, and we find out that Eli's not so discerning. He's not so spiritually led. It says he observed her mouth, and then he goes on this little tirade like he's got this great opportunity to, you know, now it's time to witness. And he's like, girl, when are you going to give up the drink? And she says to him in verse 16, don't regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And then Eli, almost flippantly, I think, says, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And so she, she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now the story, it continues on. And, and prayers are answered. And Samuel is born. And then he's called by God. And then he's anointed by God. And then he's used greatly by God. You know, there's, there's a human element to this story, and we see the, the passion that Hannah, the mom, has. But you know, there is a divine purpose for the birth of this man. And, and I, I want to ask you guys, are you comprehending that truth in your own life? There is a divine purpose for you being in this world at this time just as there was for Samuel, a divine purpose. Samuel, you know what it means? You know what his name means? Heard of God. Isn't that cool? His folks named him that because, well, mom had been pretty persistent. You got one of those in your past? My mom passed away some years ago, but man, if I knew anything about mom, she was praying for us. I'm the baby of nine kids. She prayed a lot. <laughs> and her prayers were answered. She was heard by God. And so she named this her first child. She had been without children, barren of womb. But now God answered those prayers. He, he was, Samuel was, and I mean this in the best sense of the term, but he was the love child of Elkanah and Hannah. And these two, as, as we take note of the details, they were in love. We see this deep passion that they had for one another in their relationship. And here he is. And with his life, he's given many opportunities, opportunities to see and experience a whole lot and you know, many of those things in his life, many of them were, were good and, and even beneficial for what the Lord had. He, he, first off, he had sacrificial parents. Man, what a, what a blessing. Next up, we see that he was given the privilege of serving in the tabernacle, being an usher at church, being a greeter, being, being one who who serves around the church community. He saw the power of God 
work wonders. He would at one point hear, hear the enemies in the, the camp of the Philistines. He would, he would hear them say something like, Dagon. Remember when he heard that? Remember when the, the ark was, was captured by the Philistines and, and it was in their camp and, and they just kind of put it with the rest of their treasures and they went back in the morning, opened up, and there's their God, Dagon, broken to pieces on the ground. Yes, Samuel had seen some amazing things and yet some of what he saw, some of what he experienced was, was simply sad. What was heart-wrenching was disheartening, for he saw the, the fault lines in spiritual leadership. He saw the judgment of God come upon those in spiritual leadership. He saw a nation run amok. He saw a, a nation that was rebelling against this beautiful, this intimate relationship that they had been afforded by God Almighty. And yet they would turn and say, give us a king. Give us an earthly man to follow. And guys, our, our theme this weekend is empowerment. And I want to focus on that for sure. But I, I want to share something that's interesting from F.B. Myers that he said of, of this, this man, Samuel. Samuel the prophet. He bridges the gulf between Samson, the last judge, and God's king, David. And there is a deep significance in the fact that his name, Samuel, is identified with both books that we have in our Bible, 1st and 2nd Samuel. There it describes that great transitional period. And every event in that time frame the life of God's people was affected by this man's influence. Man, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? That's pretty awe-inspiring, and I pray that that is what goes on this weekend, that you are in awe of what God has done and what he desires to do with your life, through your life. And yet, you know, you, you can step back and you can hear a statement like that about Samuel and go, yeah, but never me. Because maybe like, Mike, like you, like me, you are, you're sitting there this morning and you're going, man, there's obstacles. And there are. There's obstacles to being empowered by the Lord, aren't there? And, and I, I want to point out three that I think we can relate to this morning that we see in this guy's life, in Samuel's life. Obstacles. But our challenge, guys, let me put this out to each and every one of us this morning. Our challenge in this life is that we dare not take those obstacles that God allows, that God even ordains. We dare not allow them to become barriers to the work that God desires to do. Three obstacles that Samuel had in his life. Number one, at first glance, he seems a very unlikely spiritual leader, a candidate for spiritual oversight. Number two, the influences around him were not at all helpful to his spiritual development. And number three, 
his success, the, the impact that he had, well, it all had to do with sheer obedience in dire times, in difficult circumstance. So as we look at those, let's again just bow our hearts and ask the Lord's anointing on our time. Amen? Jesus, we do. Thank you so much, Lord, that you promised to meet with us. And, and Lord, I, I ask that you will, God, allow me to be an instrument. God, by your Holy Spirit, just flow, minister mightily, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Speak to us about these obstacles. And, and God, show us, God, that we need not allow them to be barriers, but instead to, God, seek your empowerment. We put it at your feet now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. At first glance, again, this first point, this first obstacle, first glance on, on his life, he doesn't seem to have what it will take, the material to become a spiritual leader. Let me explain. It, it opens up. That passage we read with all those wild names, it says that Elkanah, his dad, it says that he was an Ephraimite from Ramah. Does anybody understand the problem that we have there? You know what the problem was? Guys, the problem that, that he had was he was in the, the wrong, he was in the wrong gene pool to become a spiritual leader, it seems. He, he had the wrong genes. You know where I'm going? <laughs> it doesn't say he was a Levite. Yeah, you gotta have the Levites to become a priest, right? And it says that he was an Ephraimite. So, so what's up here? If you, if you were supposed to be or you had to have this lineage through Levite to be a priest, to be a spiritual leader, what's going on? Well, this issue, this promise, it vanishes when we go a little deeper. When we go back into to 1 Chronicles chapter 6, we come face to face with the lineage, the true lineage of Elkanah, Samuel's dad. And we see there that he did have a priestly past. There was this spiritual segment in his DNA, guys. So it seems with the details that were given here that Elkanah, the Ephraimite from Ramah, is much like, could we, could we say it's, it's like dad had a stage name? You know what a stage name is? It's kind of like something that you, you're known by, but it's not really you. Wow. Dad was a bit of a player, I would say. I think we, we noticed that right off the get-go. The guy's got two wives. Okay, the first one was barren, but does that give you the right to take another? No, he was a bit of a player. And this placed Samuel in a very compromising position. 
At first glance, Sam doesn't seem like he's got what it takes. That there is any possibility that God could use him, that he would be used as a spiritual leader. Thankfully, thankfully, God's work goes much deeper than our human heritage. Amen? Amen? I remember a few of those first glances that people took at me when the Lord opened up the door for me to begin serving at a Calvary in Arizona, Prescott, Arizona. God's got a sense of humor because you know how some people go, man, I got to get out of this town. This is where I was. This is where I grew up. This is where I got all my baggage. Well, the Lord gave me the opportunity to do that early on, the first few years of my walk with him, but then he sent me right back into the, the lion's den because I, I grew up as a kid, as a junior high and high school kid in Prescott, Arizona. And what's that term? Um, we, uh, we, can, we can sow some wild oats. Man, I did. I, I, I sowed fields full. And yet the Lord had a sense of humor to go, here, I want you right back in this community. And the guy that had taught me civics as a senior, a class that I barely remember, he was now the principal of the high school that I was called as a youth guy to go back and, and minister with. I remember some of those first glances as I stood on the campus there and, you know, Sunday mornings out in front greeting people, you know, and helping direct families where they're supposed to be going. And I remember seeing this one morning, this one guy coming towards me, and I recognized him, and he recognized me, and his eyes were just kind of getting bigger as he came closer. And, you know, we shook hands, and I said, man, it's so good to see you here this morning. And, you know, we picked up conversation, and, you know, we're standing there, and the, and the building's over here, and he's shaking my hand, and he, and he kind of looks at the building as if to say, well, he goes here and the building hasn't fallen down. God must be at work. But I, I remember those first glances from people that, that knew me. They, they knew my past. They knew my character. And they thought, there is no way. There's no way that God could use me. I've had a few of those first glances from myself. You ever had one of those? You know, maybe you're finishing shaving in the morning and, and you're, you're pondering your failures of the day before and you're going, God, really? You've called me to lead this family. You've called me to, to oversee these children, to be a part of this church. Come on, God. Me? Guys, maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe at, at first glance, you're going, there's not a chance that God could use me. There's no way. I don't have the material. Well, again, what's good to know is that when God is in the equation, there is always a chance, amen? Always a chance to be used. And folks, 
That is what, guys, that is what we see going on right here in the Old Testament. And that is what we have here today, is God is at work. And Jesus, he sent his spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit that we would, as Pastor Mike said last night, that we would be set free, that we would be made brand new, that we would... hmm, have an abundant life and that we would confound the wise as they look on. That's what God is up to. Amen? Second obstacle, those nagging influences. Influences. Influences around Samuel, man, they were Very unhelpful, unbeneficial to any development of his spiritual walk. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning at verse 22, it says there that Eli, the priest, the high priest, he was getting to be an old man. And some of us know that more than others. And he kept hearing, it says, all that his sons who were also priests, were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And he said to them, why do you do such things? For I fear of your evil, for I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons. It's as though as he's speaking these things, his sons are making excuses. And he says, no, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear the people of God spreading abroad. If someone sins against man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? And then it says this, but they would not listen to dear old dad. But what we find out, if you go down to verse 29, is Dad held some responsibility here, guys. It says there, God spoke to Eli specifically. He says, why do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling? And you honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves with the choicest parts of every offering of my people, Israel. So besides his own father, who was a bit of a player, it would seem, who who wasn't stepping into that role and taking the responsibility of raising his son where he could have been raised, it's interesting. It says that they they lived in Ramah. You know what Ramah literally means? It means the heights, kind of like Beverly Hills. The sweet spot to hang out in the community. But besides his dad, these guys that the Lord himself confronts, beginning with the high priest, Eli, these were his primary influences, guys. These were the men that were the so-called spiritual examples for Samuel. And, oh, man, he would have some other doozies, you know that, in his life? 
He would have a king that, well, you could say king gone wild. Sounds like a, a new TV show, right? Yeah. Saul, Saul just went bonkers right in front of Samuel's life. He would have a, a whole nation of folks that were anything but godly. And none of these examples were conducive to spiritual development. Now, if, if you're sitting there this morning, you may be thinking something like, that's it. That's it. Andy, you hit on it. My issues, my problems, my shortcomings are their fault. There it is. I got an out. I got the excuse. And you know, it, it is very unfortunate where we have gone as, as a society, isn't it? Because in the setting of our society, it is way too easy to pull the victim card. Man, is it easy. I sure did. I pulled it. Graduated at 17, and I was, I was living life for myself after my parents had divorced, and man, I didn't see any good in, in the religion that they were trying to shove down my throat. And I, I went and lived for myself. And, and at first, I was thinking, man, I'm high on the hog here. And I would pull that victim card because I knew a little of, it, of what it was like to be surrounded by poor examples and lousy influences. I've got eight older siblings, as I said. Three of them are brothers. Half of my family grew up in the hippie age. So by the time I came around and was coherent, man, I've got two brothers that are smoking dope and doing LSD every day in the driveway of our house. One of my brothers who would later share the gospel with me. And though it was two years later after that that I finally opened my heart, when I invited him to come to our wedding, a few years later, he was divorcing his first wife and wouldn't make it. As, as for my dad, yeah, my dad was a bit of a player, for sure. We're not sure how many ladies he had on the side, but there were a number of them. And besides that, the dude, he defined abusive, guys. I've told our church, man, he would be in jail. He's 92. I love him to death. He's living with one of my sisters now in Arizona. Still doesn't know the Lord. He would have been put in jail for what he did to his kids, let alone what he did to, to our mom. My picture as a little guy growing up is being unable to do anything about him as he beat my mom and trying to, to take in what my sisters were attempting to do to pull him off of my mom. And then all by myself, in the midst of those influences, I added drinking to the mix. I added drug use. Yeah, 
influences can be impacting, can't they? Fortunately, I stand before you this morning. Thankfully, I can declare that God got a hold of my heart before I got married. And through his strength and by his work, I surrendered that card. I put it down. See, the Spirit of God would not allow me to point back to my influences and use them as my excuse for where I was then or now. And the wonderful thing is, as we look at Samuel's life, he didn't play that card either. As we read in, again, chapter 2, verse 11, it says his dad, Elkanah, went home to Ramah. This is where mom and dad bring him, and they fulfill their vow that Hannah made, and they, they drop him off at the steps of the tent of meeting and say, have a good life, kid. Here's, here's dad exiting the scene, the influence. Some of you have had that take place. Your dad says, okay, I'm, I'm done. He could have done a lot of things, couldn't he have? You and I did a lot of things when that took place to us. But notice what it says. It says the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And if you go down to verse 26, it says, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with men. Guys, these were his examples, his personal examples. This is how he chose to live life even though he had had those other devastating, unhelpful influences around him. And they would continue throughout his life. Men, men of God, hear me. There are and will be wicked influences always. Wicked influences abound around us today. Amen? But we must, as Samuel did, we must focus on the Lord and minister, it says, as he ministered to the Lord and to continue to grow. I think one of the greatest things that, that the Lord God, my Savior, showed me as a young man when I first came to him is my focus point is so very vital and if I focus on my old earthly man, my old man, my dad, if I put my effort and my focus and my frustration and my fears on him, I would falter. I would lack any spiritual success. And the Lord said to me, Focus, focus here. Focus on ministering to me. Focus on your growth in spiritual 
adventures. Oh, how vital that is, guys. When the influences around us are what they are. Third and final obstacle. I stated it like this. His success, the impact that he had on his world, came from sheer obedience in dire times. Now, you, you hear that and you go, wait a minute, that's not an obstacle. Well, you know what is an obstacle? Is to not obey in times that are dire, in difficult circumstances. That and the lack of that spiritual trait will be and is a huge obstacle to the empowerment that God has for us as men. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 now, in the opening 11 verses, there's a story told that if you know his life, you know it. And, it, and it's when Samuel, again, is ministering to the Lord in the presence of the high priest, and they, they go to bed one night, and, and Samuel hears a voice. And he thinks, he believes it's, it's God. Excuse me, he believes it's, it's Eli. So he runs into Eli's room, and he says, here I am. And Eli says, I didn't call for you. Go, go lay down. And he does, and a second time, the, the Lord calls out. And in that second time, in verse 7, it says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of God had not yet been revealed to him. And then again, the Lord cries out a third time. And it's in that time that Eli finally, finally discerns that, wow, God's trying to speak to this young guy. And Eli says, okay, go lay down. And if, and if you're called upon again, say, here I am, your servant listens. And so Samuel did. He went and laid down, and the Lord, verse 10, says that he, he came and he stood and he called as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, check this out, dude. Don't miss this. He says, behold, I'm about to do something in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears will tingle. Huh. And Samuel was obedient to hear. This complete obedience, this surrender to the Lord in dire and diverse times, again, continues throughout Samuel's life. We see it at times where God calls him to go to a nation and call them to repent from sin that had become just welcomed into the nation, welcomed into their lives. And yet Samuel goes and confronts them. We see his obedience as he goes to that nation and challenges them, confronts them again because, again, what they're wanting is what the rest of the world wants, what the other nations have, and that's a king, an earthly king. 
We also see this obedience that Samuel has as he will go on to confront that king, the people's king, Saul, time and again because that king has become wayward. And yet Samuel, Samuel was obedient to the Lord's call. On another occasion, I saw it when when Samuel goes out in the Lord's leading, he goes out and he anoints Jesse's son, a son, by the way, that Jesse didn't even acknowledge. Jesse didn't even think that this ruddy boy out in the field with the sheep was capable. And yet, here's Samuel. He seeks him out and he anoints this young buck. All the while, the first king is still on the throne. There's some sheer obedience, guys, in dire times. See, Samuel had seen what Saul was like to David. Remember, he had been a a spear chucker at David. It, It wasn't a nice scene, and yet, Samuel, nonetheless, Samuel was obedient. I want us to note something about this obedience as well. It says at the beginning of the passage that we read that there weren't too many visions in those days. The Spirit of God wasn't wasn't moving much at all. And yet what we see through obedience is, is that Samuel is given insight. He's given clarity and vision for himself and the people of God. Guys, that is so true in our lives. You want to you wanna see clearly? You want to understand clearly? Then obey the Lord. Be obedient to Him. Men, we are living... In challenging times. And as we live our lives in these times for our Lord and Savior Jesus, we will be confronted. We will be personally challenged in the circumstances and the situations that come up. There will be dire times that we come upon. And we must choose, as Samuel did, to listen for the voice of the Lord and to answer that call. And and what's fascinating about that, if you didn't notice, it wasn't on the third time, but it was the fourth time. And all I mean to point out in that is the Lord tests our patience when he calls us. And he will have us just wait on him and his timing. And that we would learn, man, I just want to continue to give ear. That I might hear, that I might be ready and willing to answer the call 
And then once we've answered the call to, again, be obedient to it. And yet, guys, in this, in these dire times, in this life that we are, are given, there is only one way that we can fulfill that call. And that is to be empowered by the Lord. To be empowered by the Spirit of the living God. Now my hope, guys, is that these words are encouraging words. This story is one that will strike us and stir us up and that we would be truly encouraged by the life that Samuel chose to live in the midst of a lost nation. Here we are. Are we not in, a lo- in the midst of a lost nation today? But we have the same opportunity as Samuel. Samuel, who even though at first glance seemed very unlikely to become a leader, yet he sought the Lord. He sought out the Lord and the Lord's favor. And so can we, and we can be empowered despite what seems impossible to ourselves or to others. And Samuel, even if or when The influences around us are very unhealthy. You know what? God's ways, they make the difference, don't they? God empowered Samuel as he listened and as he followed the Lord. And so too will he, you and I. He will empower us as we listen and follow him. And even in the rough times, guys, even in the the dire situations, we see Samuel obeyed God through it all. And again, God empowered him. God empowered him with a divine purpose that he would be a testimony and a witness for the Lord. A testimony to what God can do, what God wills to do in a heart, in a life, in a man that doesn't look at his surroundings, but rather looks to his Savior. Men, you may not look like much to yourself or to others. But you know what? God is able. God is able. We might have had, you may have presently lousy influences all around you, but you know what? God, God's ways are available. And men, without a doubt, We are living in dire times. Times that are destitute of spiritual leaders, of men that are seeking the Lord. But you know what? God has plans for you. God has plans for you. So I've got a few questions that I want you to respond to. Number one, 
Are you spiritually stunted? Spiritually stunted because of what, again, you may see or others may think of who you are or who you aren't spiritually? Another question. Have you given in to the influences around you? Or maybe even worse yet, have you allowed those influences to become your excuse for how you do life for the Lord? And thirdly, is your obedience being swayed because of difficult times in your life? If you can answer any of those in the affirmative, that you are stunted, that you've given in or used as an excuse, or that you're not obeying as you know the Lord would have you, then you know what? We need His empowerment, amen? We need to surrender all. And man, is, is that a tough one for guys or what? We like to be hands-on because we think, if I got my hands on it, then I'm in control. And how, how untrue that is, amen? Oh, that we would choose rather to surrender. If that's your need this morning, I would invite you to join me. I love this. Don't you love this podium? This pulpit? I love it most because of what it's got right here. It's got a cross. If you this morning, because you've answered those, question, those questions in the affirmative, or even just one, if you're spiritually stunted, again, if you've given way, if you are excusing yourself, if you're not obeying the Lord, because of the difficulties in your life, would you join me and come to the cross this morning? I know it's early, but man, what a good time to meet with the Lord in our lives early on. And I was walking through here earlier this morning and, and looking at, man, there's a, a bunch of next generation guys, those that are going to be called to be leaders. And I wonder if, if you're sitting out there as a younger boy like Samuel if if your need isn't to respond to this early now in your life but whether you're young or not so young if you need to I want to right here and right now encourage you to come and meet with me at the cross and ask the Lord to bless us Ask the Lord to be our all in all. Amen? If that's your need, would you come forward right here and right now just to say, God, that's what I need. I'm stunted. I'm, I'm excusing my ways. I'm not being obedient as I should. Would you come forward with the guys right now? Come forward. Father, we are 
just like Samuel. Men who are at a crossroads, Lord, and therefore men that need you. God, I thank you for my brave brothers that have joined me at the cross. And God, I, I ask right here and right now for each one of us, Lord, that you would touch, Lord, that you would set us free from those influences, Lord, God, that we would not look, God, at what is on the table, but, Lord, look to you and the heritage that you can bring. And God, as some are up here because of the, the dire trials, the difficult situation that's going on in their life, and they've been swayed by it, would you, Jesus, empower my brothers, empower us, dear Lord, by your Holy Spirit, no longer, God, to walk that easy path, but, Lord, to be diligent to seek you, to listen for you, and to be obedient to you. We thank you, Lord, that you are our God, that you are our Savior. God, we ask right here this morning as we have come to your cross that you would be all the more in our life, Lord. Be our Lord. That we would be your men. Men empowered for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you.